When Trip Hawkins was a teenager, he loved playing tabletop sports games, so much so that he tried to create his own business around one. As he grew older and computers began to find their way into more and more homes, he saw the potential for his game of statistics and dice to move over into the digital realm. This desire pushed him to create one of the world's largest video game publishing companies in the world and start one of gaming's longest-running yearly franchises, John Madden Football. We've got a lot to unpack today as we look at both the careers of Trip Hawkins and John Madden, as well as talk about the founding of Electronic Arts as part of the creation of the Madden Football series. So stick around and join us for today's trip down memory card lane. Good afternoon and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 92nd episode of our video game nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week we tell you a story about one game relevant to the current week in gaming history. And while doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. This week we're looking back at John Madden Football, originally released for the Apple II computer on John and john first <laughs> nice june 1st june 1st 1988 i'm david casson and as always i'm joined by my co-host who just loves to pass the ball no matter what down what the yardage what it is it's great football strategy he's the best at it he's my brother rob casson rob How's that passing game treating you these days? Well, Dave, I still suck at passing, but hey, it is what it is. What you playing? Well, Dave, this week has seen some Rocket League, the good old RuneScape, a little bit of Elden Ring, surprisingly. Okay. I did some more Bannerlord. And then I did Ace Combat 7. Got a little fly in action in this week. Okay, okay. How about I yourself? You. Did I play Rocket League? I don't even know if I played Rocket League with you guys. I Maybe because we traditionally play Rocket League after we record. So I think that might be the only Rocket League I got in this week, I think. Yeah, sounds I played, about right to me. Yeah. I played some Terraria. I played some medieval dynasty and i also started playing v rising have you heard about v rising yet i can't say that i have so v rising is i don't know the next latest and greatest survival game i'm being told and it is basically a vampire survival game where you're a vampire and you attack things and eat blood drink blood and build a castle that's the survival aspect, the building aspect. People were describing it to me as a mix between like Valheim and a vampire game, but it it's more like, in all honesty, Diablo with a crafting aspect. So it's an isometric game that plays with skills like Diablo does, like a hack and slash. But instead of loot progressing your game, your crafting built progresses the game, if that makes sense. Okay, um, yeah, no, it does. But yeah, it's it's a it's a vampire survival game. It's 
20 bucks. Interesting. I, I haven't dabbled more than a few hours into it, but so far so good. It's early, early access. Um, you know, supposedly you get about 30, 40 hours out of it from what I've been told. And it's early, early access. They have a whole roadmap with a ton of other things. So it's, it's got a lot of potential. I, I think you have to be a fan of Diablo in all honesty, because it plays just like that style of game with some building. Well, it definitely sounds interesting, Dave. But I think that's enough about the games we've been playing. Time to talk about our topic of the day. What do you think? We're talking about Madden today, huh? Uh, John Madden football. Mm, yes. Ja- yeah, John Madden football, now known as Madden NFL football. You, uh, you, do you play Madden at all? I really don't know the answer to that question. I have a couple of times, but it's really not my cup of tea. Uh, I preferred Blitz a lot more, uh, but you know, I have played it once or twice. I don't know. It's not a bad so the, game. It's just not for me. So the what about college NCAA college football? Are you just not a simulation football video game guy? Yeah, sim football isn't really my thing, except for Blitz, obviously, because you get to break stuff and it's fun. But well, yeah, that's, no. that's our as far as the actual game. I mean, I've I've done NCAA as well. I mean, it's always fun to be the chips and stomp on everyone because, you know, that wasn't really my uh, experience a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, fire up chips still. But um, yeah, no, just not really into football sims. I'd rather play the game myself in that regard because I could actually play football and did play football for a few years. So. Yeah. 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 So today we're going to be talking about John Madden, John Madden football, the John Madden. It's commonly referred to as John Madden football 88 in the, the first version. They didn't have years, but obviously everyone now knows it as a yearly franchise, Madden 21, Madden 22, so on and so forth. So to distinguish it, we're going to look at Madden 88, but it was John Madden football, but the story of John Madden football goes way 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 earlier than 1988 in fact we're going to go all the way back to the early 60s whoa i know right time to get groovy so today we're going to start by talking about stratomatic uh completely foreign name to me how about you uh it's obviously something to do with strategy true but what kind of strategy uh, probably in programming. Uh, 19. Yeah, that's, that's actually kind of a valid, valid, uh, valid guess is the word I'm looking for, but nope, maybe actually. Okay. Hold on. Yeah, maybe. Well, I'll give you that. Not mm. maybe, maybe, maybe now, but definitely not back then. So Stratomatic was a company. It began in 1961 when Hal Richmond a Bucknell University mathematics student began selling an early version of his baseball tabletop game out of his basement by buying advertising space in Sports Illustrated to aid sales. Now, Richmond lost money until 1963. That year, he decided to release a game that contained one card for each player in Major League Baseball. This decision greatly increased sales of his Stratomatic tabletop baseball games. Did he have the rights to those? You know, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Because I feel like nowadays that would be a big no-no. Yeah, I really don't know the answer to that. 
I didn't even think to look that up, but that's a very valid question. But let's talk about what a Stratomatic game is for starters. In a Stratomatic game, each athlete is represented by a player card. On said player card are various ratings printed and result tables for dice rolls. So you can play them game, the games by yourself, solitaire, or you can play against another player. And as a player, you are in charge of making strategic and personnel decisions for your team. And you determine the results of your decisions by cross-referencing your dice rolls with the system of printed charts as tables. So to give you an example, you'd have a pitcher and based on his statistics for the year, it would say like, if you roll a two, he throws, he walks a batter. If you roll a three, he throws a curve ball to left. If you hit, if you roll a four, he throws a fastball. Uh, you know, a five would be a walk. A six would be a strike. A seven would be a strike. Basically they did statistics for all these and you'd put them against a batter and you would roll for each. And then there was, you know, if, if the pitcher threw a fastball and the batter would hit a single off of a fastball based on those dice rolls, then you, you, you hit a single, you know what I mean? Um, so it's basically D and D for baseball. It, it's, I mean, it pre-exists D&D, but yes, essentially, it's yes. D&D hmm. was a 70s. Uh, D&D came out in the 70s, and no doubt that, you know, some of the concepts came from this. Uh, although, you know, D&D was a D20, and this one used two six-sided die. But it's kind of, it's I mean, that's a really good way to put it, you know. They got, like I said, the re- the all the results on the players' cards were determined by a combination of their actual statistics, the athletes' real life statistics, you know, some independent research done through news articles, some scouting reports. So it was it was a a pretty popular game, you know, where people could play a game based on based on it, um, almost kind of like an early fantasy. F- football or fantasy fantasy sport type deal you know but Mm -hmm. you know every year uh, in 1968 stratomatic introduced a football version of said tabletop game that followed the same premise now stratomatic football uh, is a, a simplification of a really complicated game you know football you know since we're talking about john madden football today you know we're we're we'll kind of learn there's some complication to it even though it simplifies it, there's a real great deal of strategy involved. So for example, on the football side, if a person controlling the team on offense and the person controlling the team on defense secretly choose a play, basically they both have to choose, you know, one chooses a pass play and the other chooses to defend against a pass play. Then something might not happen. You know, like, but like in real football, if one team chooses a pass play, but the other team chooses to defend for a running play, they're likely going to pass the ball right over their heads, and 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 that's going to be a better result. You know what I mean? So you have this game that basically, you know, it was cat or mouse, or some there was some strategy involved, some knowing football, there was some strategy in knowing your opponent, and there was some luck too. You know. But basically, that was the concept, you know, one 
one offense guy would choose his play type, defense guy would choose his play type, and and the end result would would be how well they were matched up against one another. And honestly, I mean that's kind of the way football games, video football games work, isn't it? Uh, I mean, a little less now, but at its basic core, yes. It's just now you can do a lot more with controls and stuff. So, oh, absolutely, it's absolutely. But at its core, it's still kind of the same way. If if the defense brings all of their, if the defense calls like a blitz and all of their players are brought up for like a run play and the opponent calls a pass play. I mean, that, like I said, he's going to be able to pass right over him or vice versa. Um, but still, it really should come as no surprise when you look back at this, that one of the main architects of the original Madden game was a really huge fan of Stratomatic. In fact, Trip Hawkins started his first business as a teenager trying to create his own knockoff version. Now, I'm not going to pretend Trip Hawkins came from nothing. Like a lot of our people that we talk about, we kind of talk about how they got, you know, let's be honest. A lot of people that we talk about were very lucky in that they were in families that were fluent, you know, that were lucky enough to get computers, um, get computers. That's, it's, you know, I, I, I stress that because it's not like poor kids can, could have bought computers in the early days. You know what I mean? True. But Trip Hawkins came from a decent family. You know, he borrowed $5,000 from his father and he tried to create his own knockoff version of the Stratomatic football game. He advertised it in various NFL game programs. So, you know, you go to the football game and you can buy a program for 10, 10 or $12. Um, and he advertised his game in it, but still it didn't take and the business would eventually fail. Eventually, though, Trip Hawkins would receive his first computer and he would recognize the potential in creating a digital football game, feeling that it would allow players to enjoy a game like Stratomatic while avoiding what he called the challenging math of the game, which in turn would make it more accessible to other people. So Trip grew up and got accepted to Harvard. Again, no slouch. And he worked with the school to get an undergraduate degree in what's called strategy and applied game theory. Now, this major did not exist before he went to Harvard. He worked with the school and edumacators to create this major. Historically, it is now recognized as the world's first college degree in anything video game related, which is kind of cool, actually. Wow. And he used this degree in strategy and applied game theory to score a job at Apple, where he would eventually become their director of strategy and marketing up until about 1982. Now, you see, through all this time, Tripp watched the home computer market grow and grow and grow. When he started with Apple in 1978, it was a small company that only had about 25 office workers and had only sold at that point about 13 computers that's it. They had sold 13 computers to various businesses. That's where Apple was when he joined the team. So they were already a thriving business, I can see. Oh, they were absolutely a thriving business. In 1982, when he left Apple, it had just completed its IPO, its initial purchase offering, which is when they 
offer themselves to the stock market. So it went public. Apple went public. And it was now a Fortune 500 company with over 4,000 employees. So a, a little bit of growth in all that time, huh? Uh, I'd say just a tiny wee bit, but, you know, nothing crazy. Way back in 1978, Hawkins had really wanted to work on video game development, but he knew he knew that it really wasn't a possibility at the time. In fact, way back then, he estimated that it was probably going to take about seven years for personal computers to permeate the ho- people's homes in order to be in great enough numbers to make video game development a viable career. So here in 1982, as he saw Apple become such a large company, and this was when IBM and Microsoft and everyone else was starting to come up too, he realized that it was time. And so in February of 1982, he began to meet with investors to seek financing for his new company, his new venture that he wanted to create, which was called Amazon with just no G, Amazon, apostrophe software, Amazon software. Oh. So he works at this for months. He finally incorporates and establishes Amazon software on May 27th, 1982. He had raised $200,000 to get started. And his idea was to become a video game publishing company. That's that's it. He wanted to be a, a video game publishing company. For the next several months, Hawkins continued to refine his business plan. He had started incorporated a company with one other person. Uh, he continued to refine the plan, recorded more talent. By November of 1982, the company had 11 employees. Mm, but there was trucking really along. One, trucking along. But there was one problem. What's that? The name that the company was incorporated under, Amazing Software, was universally disliked by the majority of the team. And so because of this, in November of 1982, Hawkins scheduled an off-site meeting to discuss alternatives. Now, as he refined the company's business plan as a publisher, he had developed the idea of treating software as an art form and calling the developer software artists. Hence, his latest business plan referred to the company as soft art. However, there was another company called Software Arts that made the VisiCalc computer software, and the idea of calling their company Soft Art was shot down because it was a name that was way too similar to Software Arts. They toyed with it for a little bit. They even thought about asking Software Arts if they minded them using so close of a name. But really, they wanted to stand out. The name was out, but the concept of software as an art form, software artists, that concept was in. And so they pushed further into the night. Now, all 11 employees were there, and Hawkins had, Hawkins basically told him, everybody has a vote, but if you fall asleep, you lose said vote. Okay? So, we're going to do this into the night until we figure it out. You're out if you fall asleep. Wow. He then pushed the name in another direction. You see, he had recently just finished reading a best-selling book about the film studio, United Artist, and liked the reputation that United Artist as a company had created for itself. Now, Hawkins and the others really really liked using the word electronic and considered using electronic artists in tribute to United Artists. But one man in the company, Steve Haynes, opposed that idea. And he stated that, he said, we're not the artists, they are, meaning the developers and not the company or the publisher itself. And so with that, a simple name change was suggested that everyone seemed to be in agreement with. 
Amazing Software would not become electric electronic artist. It said instead it was going to become Electronic Arts. Oh. Because everybody knows that name, it should come as no surprise that that name stuck. It was unanimously endorsed by all 11 people, and it was adopted formally by the end of 1982. Well, damn. There you go. That's pretty cool uh, cool history there. That is pretty cool history. Now, Trip Hawkins was later quoted in an interview as saying, Most of my friends would tell you that I started EA as an excuse to make a football game. And there's probably a fair amount of truth to that. <laughs> nice. At least he admitted to it. Yep. So almost immediately after founding Electronic Arts, he began developing on a football game. And we know that he started to approach people to endorse it as development was working otherwise. Uh, and there are two people that we know of, uh, kind of a what if uh, for the John Madden series. Now, one of the fir- one of the people that we know he approached was San Francisco 49ers cornerback Joe Montana. And the other was cow coach Joe Cap, both very known sports figures in their time. However, Joe Montana had already been endorsing a football game that was created by Atari. And Joe Cap wanted royalties that exceeded what EA could afford at the time. And so in 1984, Trip came with the idea to John Madden. So... I want to take a moment. I want to talk about John Madden because I feel like John Madden to many generations. Now let's say that the current generation, they don't know what John Madden beyond the football series. You think that's a fair assessment? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about why John Madden. He's like I said, just a name to a, on a football game to the current generation, but to football fans, the football fans, football fans of the past, he was one of the best coaches in the NFL. So John Madden was a football star in high school, no surprise, and he played one season of college football at the College of San Mateo in 1954 before he was given a football scholarship to the University of Oregon studying pre-law. In his first season, he was redshirted due to a knee injury, which needed surgery to repair. Um, Rob, do you know what redshirting is? Uh, they basically put him on a no playlist. They play. They put him on a no playlist. So for those of you who don't know, in college football, you have four years of eligibility, meaning you can play football for four years. So if you get injured, you obviously can't play. So they put you on what's called the, you, you get redshirted which it means that you could participate with the team in a very limited capacity. Like you can suit up and sit on the bench, but you can't play in the game or you can't do this much practice or there's all these limitations that I don't know the details of, but the basis is it is that if you're a red shirt, the year you're red shirted does not count towards your four years of eligibility. So that's why sometimes you will have, People working on their masters, for instance, that are still playing college football, they're called fifth year seniors. It just means I did not know about that part, actually. No, you've never heard the term fifth year seniors. No, I also didn't realize that they only were allowed to play for four years. I figured, you know, if you're out there for a master's, go for it. But nope. I guess it makes sense. Nope. In, in NCAA rules, you're only allowed four years of eligibility. So 
Yeah. And and red shirting, you can stretch it out to five due to red shirting. So you get five fifth year seniors. So in 1955, after this injury, he returned back to the College of San Mateo, and then he transferred and played for Grace Harbor College in 1956. In 1957, he transferred to Cal Poly Tech, where he played both offense and defense for the team while finishing his Bachelor's of Science in Education, which he received in 1959. And then at Cal Poly, he also received a Master's of Education in 1961. Back in 1958, though, he was drafted in the 21st round by the Philadelphia Eagles, but he suffered an injury on his uh, on his knee uh, during his other knee during the fir- his first training camp, which basically ended his professional playing career. So he he was drafted into the NFL, but he never got to play in the NFL. Well, that sucks. Yeah. Yep. While he was in rehab, though, he would often find himself with coaches watching films and listening to them explain what had happened. And, you know, he he got his degrees in education, albeit later, but he had been working on it all this time. And so he really took to what the coaches were doing. He loved coaching, the concept of coaching, because he felt that it meshed his love of football with his teaching degrees, with what he wanted to do, right? Right. And so in 1960, he became an assistant coach and I know I did the timelines kind of weird. Um, in 1960, he became an assistant coach for Al- Allen Hancock College in Santa Maria, California. And he was promoted the next year in 62 after uh, to head coach where he went 12 and six in two seasons. Hmm. Following the 63 season, he was hired on as a defensive aff- assistant coach at San Diego State, where he coached through 1966. Now... During 6060 Aztecs, San Diego State Aztecs were seen as one of the top small football colleges in the country. So basically, he taught at a bunch of colleges or coached at a bunch of colleges, and they did really well. Now, because of this success, he was hired on as a linebackers coach for the Oakland Raiders in 1967, and he helped them reach Super Bowl number two, where they unfortunately lost to the Green Bay Packers, who were coached by the legendary Vince Lombardi. 33 to 14 after the following season, the current Raiders head coach left for another team and John Madden was named the head coach of the Oakland Raiders on February 4th, 1969 at the age of 32, which made him the youngest head coach in the league ever at the time. Is that not the case anymore? No, actually I think, I think now our youngest 25 26 27 it's oh, it's mid man. it's mid it's mid 20s we actually just got a mid 20s coach so good on them yeah <laughs> so john madden's first year of coaching in football nfl the raiders went 12 1 and 1 hmm, that's but, you know pretty good score i'd say but they lost in the american football league championship game now i should point out here because i said american football league and that's not what the nfl is let me talk about that for a second since we're talking about history. So way back when there were actually two different leagues for football, there was the NFL, the national football league, and there was the AFL, the American football league. They operate as two separate leagues. The Super Bowl came about in 1966 when they agreed to merge. And originally for the first two years, it was called the AFL NFL world championship game. It didn't officially 
adopt the Super Bowl moniker until 1969. It was first used as a name for Super Bowl three. Now we we go back and we call one and two Super you know Super Bowl one Super Bowl two, but they weren't called that at the time. Also, a fun fact about Super Bowl three that I found out when I was looking at this: the Super Bowl, the third Super Bowl, was played between the New York Jets and the Baltimore Colts. And as of now, it's the only Super Bowl whose matchup can never occur in the Super Bowl again because both teams now play in the same conference. Well, that's pretty fun fact. And that just I thought a, this was a video game channel, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Jeez. All right. Looks like we got a little something for everyone today. That's right. Sports and 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 video games. Well, hey, like they say, EA Sports, it's in the game. (laughs) So John Madden coached the Raiders for 10 whole seasons. In those 10 seasons, he would get to play in eight of those conference championship games. He would lose seven of those, became his thing, unfortunately. In 1976, though, he would finally win the conference championship and go on to face the Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl XI where they would win with a score of 32-14, giving John Madden his first and only NFL title. The year after uh, would be one more of those seven conference losses that he had. And soon after the 1979 season, or 78-79 season, on January 4th, 1979, John Madden would announce his retirement from coaching due to a troublesome ulcer and what he called occupational burnout. In 10 seasons as a head coach, he became the youngest coach to reach 100 career regular season victories, and he never once had a losing record. In fact, to this day, he has the second highest winning percentage of any coach in NFL history and actually has the highest winning percentage of any coach who has coached more than 100 games for the NFL. Wow. That's... He was a good coach. I mean, yeah, you're talking damn near 50 years of actually probably more than 50 years from the start of uh, coaching. That's that's a long time to hold that record. Very true. That's that's actually I didn't like you're thinking of it. I was like 50 years. He didn't coach for 50 years. But you mean that the records actually held up for 50 years? That is really impressive when you look at actually. It that way. So he started in what, 67? Mm hmm. Would you consider that or was when he was the head coach? 69. Yeah, head coach in 69. So I guess if you want to start 1969 to now, I mean. Yeah, he he did good. Yeah, damn, that's that's a hell of a record to hold. So so like I said, Madden, Madden was a, a really great football coach. And there were a lot of great coaches in that era. I mean, he, not that there's not good coaches now, but a, a lot of the coaches in that era are really held up on a pedestal nowadays. And Madden was one of the best in that time except for not being able to win Super Bowls, but no one's perfect. So at least he got to the Super Bowl. The Lions sure as heck haven't. Uh, the only NFC, NFC team to not reach us, never reach a Super Bowl. Stupid. Anyways, <laughs> in 1979, John Madden joined CBS as a color commentator. He continued to do so bouncing from network to network. So as NFL went to ABC, he went there as it went to Fox. He went there, man was making good money. In fact, at one point long time ago, before, before 
you know, these athletes were paid what they're paid nowadays. It was said that Madden was probably paid more than any athlete on the field. Um, I know at one point in the middle of this, he was making $5 million a year to broadcast football games. That's not shabby at all. Uh, I would agree, Dave. That's uh, pretty damn good. So he bounced from network to network and he announced his retirement from broadcasting in 2009. That's why John Madden. But way back in this time, uh, 1984, where John Madden football got a start, it was because of his coaching history and the fact that throughout his broadcasting career, John Madden was really well known for, for his talent, his ability to make football easier to understand for people. So he was, he was one of the other names on Trip Hawkins' list for endorsements of their football game. So in 1984, Hawkins and the producer of John Madden Football, Joe Ibarra, went on a two-day train ride with Madden, probably following him to do broadcasting duties. And they wanted to talk about this project and football in general with John Madden. They told Madden that they were interested in creating a football simulation and they wanted both his expertise and his endorsement uh, in order to create it. Now, John Madden was not said to be very good with technology. He wasn't into computers. He wasn't into video games. He was just not that kind of person. But he really liked the idea of creating a football simulation that, as he saw, it could possibly be used as a coaching and teaching tool. And, I mean, he was also later quoted as saying, you know, the guy's pitch was pretty good. I mean, this guy came to him. He's basically a guy that created the very first video game degree. Like, he made it. He kind of had to be a genius when it comes to computers, you know? I'd say a little bit, yeah. So John Madden was sold. He agreed. He dove into the project. He taught the two pretty much anything that he could. He taught them route running. He taught them game plans. He taught taught them, you know, strategy and audibles and everything else that they could possibly want to know about football and more. In fact, Joe Abara is quoted as saying at one point, he goes, I I have no clue how these guys can do this uh, because it was just an immense overload of information. There was, there was too much. Now, as part of this process, John Madden was insistent. It was a true football simulation in that there was going to be 11 players on both sides of the field. The original design documents that Hawkins and Amara brought to him only called for six or seven people on the field due to hardware limitations, but Madden refused to put his name on it if it wasn't going to be real, so it was 11 on 11 or nothing. Now, being held to this simulation aspect, this and some other things, became a really huge developmental challenge, and this was one reason of many that development of this game took about three years to finish. Now, one other issue that delayed this game was a legal issue, and this one was involving Bethesda Softworks. Now, Bethesda is a name that we've talked about before. Uh, we talked about Skyrim, for instance. They make the Elder Scrolls series. They make Fallout. They make a lot of games actually I, I love bethesda games they're one of my favorite game publishing studios they are pretty good yes yes they are you see bethesda was hired by ea all the way back here 
to work on the game due to their experience with Believe It or Not football games. I had no idea Bethesda was around that long either. All right. So in, uh, 19, in 1986, Bethesda Softworks developed a football game called Grid Iron, which was published on the Atari ST by none other than Electronic Arts as a publisher. So they were hired because they were doing this as they were working. You know, they they were they had this game. They brought it to EA. So they're working on this. EA saw it and Trip Hawkins wanted to make another football game that was different. And so they they used Bethesda. They they, they basically said, hey, we want your expertise that you're that, you know, you brought to us with this game that you want us to publish. Can you help us make this other football game we're interested in making that we've attached John Madden to? They agreed. Bethesda was hired to help with John Madden football. And as part of this agreement, they acquired distribution rights to future versions of Gridiron. They basically went to EA and said, we'll help you with this game, but we want you to help us publish Gridiron on other platforms. But by June of 1988, no versions of Gridiron had been released on other platforms with EA's help. So Bethesda stopped working on John Madden football and sued EA for $7.3 million, claiming that they had halted releasing Gridiron anywhere else, but still incorporated elements of it into John Madden football, which was a violation of their agreement. Basically, they said EA doesn't want to release competition like they agreed to and, and took our intellectual product, you know? Yeah, makes sense. The two sides ended up settling outside of court, and the game was finished mostly without Bethesda's involvement. Now, like I said, it took three years to complete. And during that time, many, many people thought that it was never going to be finished. And so in the EA offices, it was not called Madden football. It was actually called Trips Folly. Oh. But after the Bethesda deal, Yabara and a team of developers actually got to the grind and and managed to finish the game. Well, that's good. It might have taken three years, but clearly it did something right because here we are today. Here we are today. Now, John Madden football 1988 is really not the John Madden that everyone is used to today. The 1988 version of John Madden football was kind of more so a football simulation. It did actually boast 11 on 11 football, but truthfully the Apple II, the hardware that they released it on simply couldn't handle 22 players on the screen at once. So it plays slow, like really, really slow, like painfully slow. I, I, I put a video of it. Uh, I, I found a playthrough on YouTube. I put a video of it up on our, up on our, whatchamacallit, and it's a video of the MS DOS version, which actually play, which which you'll probably find slow, and it played better than the Apple II version. Just to have a reference point when you go watch this video. But the game had some other really cool features. You could create your own plays, literally create your own plays. You could assign a ro- a route a role or a route to every single player on the field if it didn't make sense. So if you wanted to make for whatever reason a play where all 11 players, when the ball was hiked, would go and cover a single receiver, you could do that. I don't know why you would want to do that, but you could do that. Because you know that's who the ball is going to go to, Dave. Oh, yeah, that's exactly how it works. You could also create your own teams. You know, so it, it had a lot of these simulation features 
that John Madden was hoping for. And like I said, it played better once it was ported over to MS-DOS and the Commodore 64. Those were the ported versions of it. But realistically, just to be if I'm being honest about the game and, the, you know, the, the, the series, um, John Madden football didn't really become much of anything until EA made a version for the Sega Genesis in 1990 where it boasted a new look and a style of gameplay much closer to what we know Madden to be today. Now, the Sega Genesis version of uh, Madden is actually really interesting. Basically, they didn't want to create games for Nintendo because Nintendo, as we've talked about, had a reputation of controlling the process and, and taking money for their cartridges and so on and so forth, right? Right. We've seen it. We've talked about it in various episodes. Yes, that we have. So Trip Hawkins and basically a probably I don't know if it was Trip, but people at EA Hawkins, they actually reverse engineered the Sega Genesis and they they basically reverse engineered Sega Genesis, made their own development kit, made this ported this game over to it, took it to Sega and basically said, Look, we've already done this. We have great freaking lawyers. We know we can get away with it, but we want to be a good partner. So what will you do? How can, will you work with us? Basically. That's awesome. And they did. Sega Genesis did. Sega became a partner to them. The John Madden 1990 became a Sega Genesis version. And this version in 1990 um, really was much closer to the madden you know the 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 style of gameplay that we're used to today um realistically though it was the 1992 genesis version for whatever reason that was that was the one that just resonated with people that really cemented madden into the gaming culture when ea released the 92 version they really only expected to sell 75,000 copies of it but they ended up selling 400,000 copies of it Truth be told, John Madden Football 92 was EA's first mega hit software wise. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive compared to what they were expecting. Yeah, it is pretty, pretty impressive that they're expecting. Um, Well, this is usually about the part where we do critic and user reviews. Rob, you got any for us today? Uh, Yeah, I struck out, Dave. How about yourself? I struck out, too. At least for the MS-DOS version. Yeah. Well, the Apple II and MS-DOS. Really, only things I could start finding were uh, the, the, the Genesis. The Genesis ones, yeah. And yeah, while we I, could talk about those, it's it doesn't really do justice to the original game. Nope. But, I mean, at the time, everyone loved the Genesis version. It was, it was pretty well reviewed by all the critics I could find. And although user reviews were really only for nowadays, when people say the game's only nostalgic if you played it as a kid, I mean, just doesn't I, really hit the same. I played it as a kid. Uh, I played it as a kid. It was, I think, one of the coolest things. And if you ever get a chance, I didn't go. I didn't put one of these on the website. Maybe I still will. I don't know. Go and look at um, Madden graphics. There's all these videos you can watch that will show you graphics from. I, I, I watched one the other day that it was 1988 to 2018. And it's really interesting to see because it's this is one of the only games that we get an actual yearly franchise, right? 
I mean, call, now Call of Duty, but you know, I mean, any of the EA Sports really, I feel get pretty yeah. often. No, no, oh, no, sorry, right. I thought you were just saying this title. No, you're right about that. But the sports are really the ones that we get, we get, um, that we get yearly titles of, and there really hasn't been other franchises. I don't. When did FIFA? I don't even know when FIFA started. Madden might have been the earliest that still sticks around. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I definitely think that it is. The point is, is that it is really cool to see um, this because you can look at the year to year and you can literally watch how. Yeah, FIFA didn't start till 93. So this one is sooner. You can literally watch video game technology progress through one video game series from 1988 till now. There's not very many game series. I mean, obviously Mario and 84 and it, but we don't really have yearly releases of those. So I don't, you get what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I do, Dave. I agree. It's kind of, it's kind of cool to watch one of those videos and watch te- the video game technology progress in the last 20 plus years, 30 years. So huh, 30 years anyway, <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, one of the downsides to old games like this is sometimes it's hard to find releases. You know, Madden Football 88 was not a a big hit, so finding critic stuff on it is rather difficult. They're definitely, despite my best efforts, there definitely wasn't any user review. So, but And, and I can concur. Dave did try. I tried as well because I couldn't find any either. And I'm better at him. Yeah, better than him. That's very true. Very, very true. So true. But that's okay because this has been a really great story. And, you know, so we talked about Madden, how we got here, and we talked about what Madden as a game is, and let's talk about what Madden has become. You know, in 1993, EA acquired the actual NFL license. So Madden NFL 94 was the first one in the Madden series, as we know it to be named today, which is Madden NFL. And there has been a yearly version every year since then. Now 33 years of of uh, yearly versions. And arguably, like I said, I think John Madden as a person is better known for this video game series than all his years as a football coach or even as a commentator. I mean, he stopped he stopped color commentary in 2009. You know what I mean? So it's been over a decade since he stopped commentator, there's a whole generation that has no clue who he is other than Madden football. Very true. He doesn't, I mean, around that time he even stopped, I believe he stopped commentating in his video games in the beginning. He did all the voiceover stuff for his video games, but it got too tedious. And eventually that was given over to Chris Collingsworth, I think. Um, So even that changed over time. Hmm. It was estimated that at one time, over 50% of all NFL players were Madden fans. Some of them are even known to have called EA to harass them about their ratings in the game and demand them to be changed. (laughs) Even better, even better, like John Madden originally envisioned, coaches and players at all levels of the game have been quoted as saying that Madden has the Madden video game series has influenced them. And they have recommended the game to others to learn football strategy, tactics, to practice plays and assignments, and to even simulate playing opponents. 
football broadcasts nowadays have taken a cue from Madden. Now they use what basically visual vis- visual cues that are Madden-like to more closely resemble the game. And little fun fact, you know, there are 32 franchises in the NFL. The NFL calls uh, EA Sports its 33rd franchise because each week during football season, the EA Sports team receives the same searchable film database of every single play that all of the League 32 teams do. Which is really cool, actually. Uh, Yeah, that is actually really cool. Wow. And from the financial standpoint, the NFL Madden NFL series is the NFL's second largest source of licensing revenue behind apparel, of course. And the league considers it to be an incredibly important part of their recruitment efforts to turn younger generations into football fans. Eh, Good work. (laughs) I think it does work. Maybe. I don't know. All in all, it's been a very successful series for Electronic Arts, although the recent versions haven't really been received well by critics. The series is still enjoying insane sales numbers every year. I really can't tell you what those sales numbers are. I genuinely try to try to find it. What I can tell you is that when Madden 21 came out the year of the pandemic, it was one of the lowest rated games in the series but broke records for sales and ended up being one of the best selling games in the series. And I could also tell you that every single year when Madden comes out, the football game, the month that comes out, it's pretty much the best selling game in its release month. So I can, I can at least speak to that. Now we lost John Madden recently. If you don't know, he passed away on actually our dad's birthday, December 28th of 2021. So we we lost him last year at the end of the year, not even six months ago. Actually, now six months. No, just over five months ago. Um, and arguably, this is the legacy he left behind, you know? I would say so. Pretty, pretty damn big legacy to leave behind. Pretty damn good legacy to leave behind. Now, let's <clears throat> wrap up all the other characters in today's uh, story. So Stratomatic is still around, Rob. Oh, yeah. Stratomatic now makes uh, they still do paper stuff, but they do their Stratomatic strategy game later became a computer game. And now it's sold computer wise. You can actually go online and and buy the Stratomatic uh, game and the computer does all the math for you like Trip Hawkins envisioned. So that's kind of cool. Nice. Uh, Trip Hawkins himself. He left EA in 1991 to form 3DO, which made the 3DO interactive multiplayer console, which was at the time of its release in 1993, the most powerful console on the market. Unfortunately, it failed, but that's an episode for another time. (laughs) I remember the 3DO. Everybody wanted a 3DO, but it was stupid expensive. And then they kept dropping its price. And then in 95, the PlayStation came out and it just couldn't compete. So it was done. Uh, After the console was done, 3DO became a software company. And Trip Hawkins remained with the 3DO as a company until its demise in 2003 when it went bankrupt. Uh, He left 3DO to join a video game company called Digital Chocolate. He left there in 2012. 
and has he's bounced from company to company and taught for the I think seven years, 2012 to 2019 at the University of California. Now you can hire him for media or speaking thing. He has a website. I put the website on our our website. You can you can hire him for a motivational speaking, I guess is the point. So now uh interesting. That, yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Now the company he founded, Electronic Arts, as of 2020, was the seventh largest publicly held video game publisher in the world with the yearly revenues at about $5.5 billion. So EA does $5.5 billion a year. That's, that's a pretty impressive number. I know. Just, just a wee bit. Just a, just a random side note. I can't tell you all six in front of him, but do you know what the largest publishing company in the world is? Take a guess. The Pokemon company. No, because isn't that on Nintendo's side? Aren't they technically? Oh, answer? yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I, from Soft. <laughs> no, but that's really Damn. funny. It's Sony. Lame. Sony, Sony Interactive, their umbrella. Sony Interactive is the largest publisher in the world. To put it into perspective, they do about $16.5 billion a year in, in game Jesus. sales. I know, I know. So yeah, so EA's a very large. Also, as a side note, I said publicly held for a reason because the list does not include privately held video game publishers like Epic or or Valve. Epic or Valve are privately held. They don't they don't have public stock or anything, so they don't fall on that list, and they don't publish their numbers like these guys do. So because they don't have to answer to stockholders. Guess I never really knew that that they were uh, private like that. And if you don't know who Electronic Arts are, where have you been living these days? Because they make a ton of video game franchises that are unbelievably recognizable, like the Battlefield series that Rob is a very big fan of. Yes. Mass Effect, Dragon Age, Dead Space, pretty much any licensed sports title, like we were talking about FIFA, the NHL series, the F1 series, Medal of Honor... Need for Speed, which we've talked about. The Sims, which we've talked talked about. They basically hold the license over all the Star Wars games nowadays. Rob, did you see they announced a sequel to Fallen Jedi? I did not. Yeah, we get a sequel. We get a sequel. Um, oh, God, there was one other game I was supposed to tell you about that you were needing to get super excited about. And I forgot because my Ninja Gaiden epiphany at the beginning derailed it. It'll come to me. Anyways, the list of what EA makes just goes on and on and on. Apex. You play Apex. That's an EA game. EA is just a huge video game publisher, obviously. They're just a huge video game publisher. So, needless to say, everyone in this episode is kind of still doing well for themselves, huh? I would say a little bit, yeah. Yeah. John Madden had a really successful career. His legacy lives on as a really successful video game franchise. Trip Hawkins is doing well for himself. Electronic Arts is doing well for itself. Stratomatic is still around. I think we have nothing but winners today. Well, that's a first. I know, right? And uh, that's it. That's the story of Madden. That's that was cool. That was fun. That was fun. I got to med- I got to mesh sports with video games, which is how Madden was created to begin with. Hey, full circle. Full circle. Full circle. Well, you know what else has got circles on it? 
Um, no, Dave, why don't you enlighten me? Because that that could be the, like anything ever. Our website has art and circles on it. <laughs> does it? I don't know. I mean, I I know it does in places, but our our biography pictures, I think, are. I don't know. I don't know. Go to our website, people. I tried. Okay, we've talked about other games. You can like we've talked about Battlefield, haven't we? No, we haven't done a Battlefield. Oh, we did nineteen forty two in one of our early early episodes, didn't we? We did. I know we did. We did a Medal of Honor episode. I know that for a fact. Uh, I think that's the only other one, isn't it? The Sims. Oh, we did a Sims episode for sure. Because I got to talk about architecture because The Sims is based on architecture. Can you think of any others that are EA games? I was going to keep being silent because the longer I didn't talk, the more you just remembered. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't have anything. Nope, I ain't got a damn thing. You if took you, anything I would have had to remember. If you want to check out any of these old episodes about other electronic arts games, you could do so by, you know, subscribing to our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts or going to our website at www.memorycardlane.com. Also at memorycardlane.com, uh, you can find a calendar. I'd say of upcoming events, but I have to update it because we're in the last month I've done now. So you get a calendar till the end of the month. And I will update it for the rest of the months, hopefully. You have uh, biographies. You have a list of all of our old episodes. You have the show notes where I do get all my research from, which often include playthroughs if you want to see what these games look like. You also, 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 also get a um, link to our Discord where you can come join us. Come play a video game with us. Come talk to us come tell me how wrong i am and how i need to just shut up because you've been listening to me talk for an hour now i'm cool with that not gonna hurt my feelings yeah dave shut up you can also find a link to our social media uh i'm various places as david is wrong and rob what are you doing these days i can be found on twitch.tv forward slash f-a-t-b-o-i-r-i-p-z awesome well up at the top we told you that each week (laughs) I don't think I'm cutting that one. Timing was fantastic. Each week, we try to tell you a story. And we tell you a story to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back as its legacy. Also to teach you new things about the game. We like to recognize the fact that in teaching you, we learn things too. And so we like to go around and roundtable uh, basically talk about what our biggest takeaways from each week is. So our takeaways are, not is, plural, David, are. Rob, what is your biggest takeaway for today? Kind of rhymed. Well, I would have to imagine that it's thanks to Apple that we have electronic arts. Really? I don't think I ever looked at it that way. I mean, no, no, we, it's it's a very valid argument. You're right. I can see that. Because who no, knows? I just, who knows? Yeah, I don't think of Apple as gaming. And like, granted, it wasn't really. But like, if it weren't for Apple taking off, then Trip never would have been like, "Yo, games, this is what's up," and started amazing software. I mean, Electronic Arts. I don't know about that. You know, he he created a video game degree basically the world's first video game degree 
And then he just he knew then that it was going to take seven years before he could basically create a company that was going to find it be financially able to create video games. And he bided his time at Apple. You know, he maybe could have done that at IBM or any other company, but he chose Apple. And it's kind of cool that he was one of the first, you know, he was one of the earliest people in the company and and got to see it grow to where it grew to, you know. That's a really cool, actually. There aren't a lot of people who can say that. Yeah, no, it is just pretty awesome to think of it that way. I hadn't really thought of it that way. That's a really good takeaway, actually. Um, that's a really good takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you, Dave? I'll be honest. I had never, ever taken the time or even cared, if I'm going to be 100% honest, about John Madden as as pre-video game so i'm probably guilty of that generation that that doesn't know what john madden is either that's not true i knew john madden as a football commentator that's i mean that's you know i used to watch i I like football i still watch football but even back when i did watch football when he was color commentating you know that's where i knew him so i knew him as that but i didn't know his football career as a coach in any way shape or form i only knew that he was a football coach so for me it was kind of interesting getting to learn about John Madden and specifically learn that he never played in professionally whatsoever. You know, his, his professional career ended before it even started. I had no, cl- I had no clue. I had no clue. Most of I actually the guys, didn't really know that either. You know, most of the guys have some sort of, you know, they, they go from one to the other, not well, you know what? No, not even now. There are a lot of football coaches who don't ever play. So I, I guess you can't even say that now either, but, um, yeah, I I really enjoyed the opportunity to that was probably the newest thing of all this for me. Also, the EA Arts thing was pretty cool. I never knew that it was originally amazing software or and, you know, they changed it as part of the process. So, well, I don't know if uh, amazing software it's in the game yeah. would fit just the same. No, I don't think so. I think they made a good choice. I think so, too. All right, Rob. Well, that's that'll do it for today. And we, we did it again before I take it out of here and look forward to next week. Would you like to add anything to today's episode? Sure, Dave, I'll finally take a chance to talk since I've had so little today. I know. Uh-huh, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. No, it's fine. We both tried to find user reviews and sometimes it's difficult. But what's not difficult is saying thank you to every single one of you for listening to us. It means the world to us that you're willing to take, you know, an hour, sometimes less, sometimes maybe more out of your day to listen to us ramble on and on about games and sometimes apparently sports. So thank you a lot. In hindsight, I maybe could have given you part of the story, but the storytelling has always kind of been my thing. Oh, yeah. No, it's okay, Dave. It's okay. okay. You're okay with not having anything to do for a week. Hey, I got to play RuneScape a lot more today. (laughs) Oh, brother. All right. Well, next week, ladies and gentlemen, we're looking at what is perhaps the most recognizable puzzle video game of all time. It's also one. We did a Layton episode recently, actually. Didn't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we totally did. So, no, we're not revisiting an old an old series. Hmm. Damn. It's also one of the best selling video game franchises of all time and holds the Guinness Book world record for the video game ported over to the most platforms grand theft auto 5 
you know, I would I would not be surprised by that in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I would have said Skyrim, actually. Oh shit, you're right. Skyrim's now on a toaster, I'm sure. I would have I would have definitely said Skyrim. Uh Skyrim actually someone posted on Reddit today that uh it was in the gaming subreddit it said do you feel old skyrim was released 11 years ago nine years ago six years ago five years ago and two years ago <laughs> that was yep, like, sounds about right oh man so tetris was originally created by a soviet software en- engineer for the electronica 60 in 1984 and has since been recognized as one of the greatest video games of all time but it was not a straight path to success. And we're going to spend some time talking about that rocky journey. So join us again next week for another story as we put all the pieces together on yet another trip down memory card lane. Do the thing. Do do up, do do up, do do up, 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 up.